I can't think of a great analogy, but you know, if someone close to you died and you felt like you could have done something to prevent it, that's Ooh. probably a pretty close analogy to what a typical divorce guy is going through because his marriage has died and he certainly could have done, he feels like he could have done something or could have done more to prevent that death. Yeah. And so he's kicking himself and he is mm. grieving. He's grieving the death of his marriage. He's he's grieving all the all the deaths, kind of the mm. cascade of deaths um, that have precipitated from that. Welcome to the Empowered Manhood Podcast, where men rediscover courageous masculinity. Pull up a chair as we gain strength from the stories of God working in the lives of ordinary men today. These men have discovered that in a world of superficiality and isolation, we need authentic brotherhood to gain strength for the battles we face every day. Brought to you by the ministry of CLC, which challenges men to an uncommon pursuit of Christ, welcome to Empowered Manhood. Welcome back to Empowered Manhood. My name is Mike Hatch, and as usual, I'm here with Chris Bollinger. Chris, man, good to be back with you again. Great to be back. Yeah. So this time we're we're this is a part two of uh, of a uh, two part episode or two part series, if you will, with two episodes in it about divorce. And uh, the first episode we talked about just kind of general information and stats about divorce, some really surprising things. If you uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd recommend you go back uh, to the previous episode and check out that one because uh, you will be very surprised. And it will give some context to what we're talking about today with regard to divorce. <clears throat> so we, yeah, we talked about information and stats and the challenges that churches face with uh, with couples who are getting divorced. And uh, and so check that out for some perspective. And uh, we move, we're moving away from that now because we were, you said, Chris, and I think you're right. It felt a little depressing. Yeah, yeah. In that episode, <laughs> having to talk about all the negative. Um, so now we're going to turn our attention instead now to hopefully the other side of the coin, the positive side about how we can walk alongside help and encourage our brothers who've been through a divorce or who are going through a divorce. And again, Chris, you've, you've been through divorce yourself and your perspective is, has been super valuable, uh, especially in the last episode. And I know we'll be in this episode as well, as we talk about this and, and, uh, and you wrote an article and, uh, but also spoke to a, a, um, an expert in a sense about ways that men can come alongside other men who are going through divorce and uh, the article you wrote and we'll share today during this episode is uh, what are the nine ways we can help come alongside our brothers who are going through divorce? It's important that you mentioned that I did consult with an expert and I, I did a lot of research as well, but uh, I, I'm not an expert on anything except what's happened to me. And that doesn't make me an expert on much of anything. So I think it's really important upfront to say that these tips that we're going to provide were done with consultation with a Christian counselor. That's great. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think it'll be beneficial to have that expert perspective to go along with whatever biases that I might bring to the table uh, from my own personal experience. Although 
my experience has been instructive in a lot of ways um, because I realized that before I went through a divorce, I didn't hang out with divorce people. I, I really had very little to do with them. And I think mm. that's that's true for a lot of us, especially in the church world. Um, we mm. tend to hang with people who are very similar to us in a similar stage of life. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, looking back when I was in a small group, which I was for most of my adult life, um, you know, I started off in the singles small group uh, before I got married. And then I was in the married with no kids small group. And then I was in the married with little kids small group where we had babysitters brought in so we could, you know, <laughs> throw the kids at them and do the small group uh, as adults and have That's a little right. bit of break from our little kids. And then we were in the teenagers uh, small group. So, um, mm. you know, that, that experience is not unique to me. That that's the way things tend yeah. to go in the church. And as a result, divorce people tend to be kind of on the fringes of a lot yeah. of church life, just like singles are. Now I, I had the good fortune <laughs> of being in a real good, um, singles, small group or singles ministry, uh, before I got married, but a lot of singles, the church really has very little for them and divorce people tend to not have a lot of programs tailored, <laughs> tailored to their situation and their needs in the typical church. Yeah. And that's, that's convicting to me, even as a pastor, because I know that's been my experience as well. As I think back of, you know, if, am I hanging out with uh, people who are divorced or men who are divorced now as a pastor, it's kind of my role to meet with guys that way. So yeah, in that sense, I, I would, often meet with folks who are going through divorce individually or have been through one, but, but as a couple, my wife and I, and in our daily kind of, or our rhythm, if you will, of community, they typically weren't part of it. And, and that's not a good thing necessarily, you know, or you may feel that, you know, well, you know, how can I really interact with this guy? How can I really help him? Because I don't have any personal experience. If you don't, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't have any real experience with what it's like to be divorced. So mm. what can I offer this guy? And the reality is you can offer mm. him a lot. Mm. So let's, let's talk about yeah. what we can do to help those men in our walk of life um, who have been through a divorce. And just to kind of recap some of the negatives that we talked about in the last episode. Thanks, um, Chris. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Well, we need we need to set the stage. Right. But a lot of us really need to deal with this because it's not mm-hmm. a negative thing. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us yeah. to help somebody out, even if we have never been in this situation and we don't really have that experience. We, we still can help them out. So, Definitely. Okay. So. When, when a guy goes through a divorce, it's like a bomb exploding in his life. And we talked about this on the last episode, everything about his life is different. And, um, I think one thing we didn't really stress a lot on the last episode, but as a reality for a lot of guys is he doesn't have a support structure Mm. at at church. You know, he's, he's been at church. Maybe he's been at that church for a long time, but, um, most guys, can count on one hand and maybe on less than one finger, how many close male friends they have at their church. They just don't, you know, they they may have a couple of close friends in their life, but odds are they're not at that church. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of guys leave their church when they get divorced. You know, it's, it's unlikely that both the husband and wife are going to stay. The wife tends to have a much better support structure at that church. Mm-hmm. So um, a guy who's divorced even a couple of years ago um, has probably left his church and may not have a new church home. We talked about that mm-hmm. a little bit last time. Yep. And so um, if you encounter or know a guy who's been through a divorce, um, you may be one of the few men, Christian mm-hmm. men in his life, who's even paying any attention to him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, you know, And a lot of guys are not going to call somebody. Um, they feel ashamed. They feel like a failure. And so the first thing that you can do to help out your divorced male friend is to reach out to him. Um, even if it's been some time since the divorce happened, he may still be pretty much on his own and he may not have a lot of guys in his life who are coming alongside him and helping him out. It's so, so simple, but at the same time, you know, they talk about sometimes how the phone can feel really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That might be one of those times for some of us where, Oh boy, how is he going to respond to me? Um, what's he going to be like? Like we talked about in the previous episode, a lot of these guys who've who've gone through divorce, they they're a little different yeah. because of the pain and and the explosion that just happened in their lives. They're just they're not the same old friends that we in in some ways that we used to know. Um, but but at the same time, that like that shouldn't stop us because they're they're that person's still there, right? Who they were before is is still there. It's just they've experienced a tremendous amount of trauma, right? And uh, and need someone to to show genuine care, right? Mm-hmm. So if he was a part of your couple small group, or if you knew him from a men's Bible study, or you just saw him on Sunday mornings, or maybe he didn't go to your church but you knew him in some other way, mm-hmm. start by reaching out to him. You know, if that phone's super heavy, maybe you text him instead mm-hmm. of calling him. But you sure. say, hey thinking about you, praying for you, um, just yeah. make contact with him. Uh, if he doesn't respond the first time, try again, because, you know, if he didn't know you that well to start off with, then he may be not put off, but he may be just not terribly responsive the first time you reach out. So try yeah. again and, and let him know that you are available to meet with him. It's not just a, Hey, I'm praying for you kind of thing. You know, the old, you know, lobbing it over the fence kind of a thing. Let them know you're serious. Hey, love to get together with you. Um, you know, maybe we could have coffee sometime. Maybe we could go out golfing, just offer him some opportunity to get together face to face. Yep. And, uh, keep at it. Um, recognizing that he may take some time to agree, but, um, your goal is to get him to agree to, to meet with you mm-hmm. um, because texting and even talking on the phone just isn't the same. You, re- you really right. would love to have a sit down face to face conversation with him, some opportunity to interact with him. And, and it's a one on one thing and, and make it clear to him that this is this is going to be a confidential setting. So you're not going to, you know, it's great. You're not going to have a couple other guys show up or, um, you know, be in a place where he doesn't feel comfortable talking. So you give him an opportunity to, to meet with you. And 
So step two is you're going to make yourself available because recognize mm. that even if he agrees, he may, he may bail. Mm. Um, you know, he may just not show up there. There's stuff going on in his life that may make him a little unreliable. Mm. So, you, so you contact yeah. him, you extend the invitation and then you stick with them until you actually get a chance to, to meet with them face to face. That's huge. Cause again, I think we, um, in our culture, I think so. It's easy for us to get uh, maybe offended too quickly if right. someone doesn't respond right away. And especially again, in something like this, just to know that again, this person has experienced trauma and they're, they're not operating on the same level emotionally, mentally that right. they were before. I think often as time goes on, uh, you'll see them move closer to you if you continue to make yourself available. Right. right. Yeah. It could, it could take, it could take weeks. It potentially could even take a couple of months before he agrees to meet with you. But if you're steady, like you said, if you stick with it, then yeah. you're likely to get him to respond eventually. I think they, they probably, they, that guy probably wants to know if you're really legitimate or right. authentic in that as well. Right. right. A lot of men who've been through divorce <clears throat> or going through it have this um, suspicious kind of mentality because they're not sure. Has my, has my wife talked to you? Have you heard from so-and-so? I know the pastor isn't on my side. He's already sided with her. So where are you in all this? Are you just reaching out because like, what are the motives behind it? You know right. what I mean? That right. can play into it. Yeah. A lot of guys. Um, and I had, uh, this experience was that the guys that I knew at church, um, now I, I, I was fortunate enough to be in a CLC group, hmm. um, before I got divorced. So, uh, I knew those guys really, really well, but outside of that, the guys that I knew at church, a lot of times were the, the husbands in my, in my couple small group. Mm-hmm. I didn't know them very well. Right. I mean, you know, small group meeting, we would have a little small talk before the study and then a little small talk after the prayer time and mm-hmm. went on our ways. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't know these guys yeah. very well. Um, other guys I would see on Sunday mornings and it was just kind of a, you know, were they, were they close friends? No, they were just, you know, guys at church. So, um, yeah, I, I, I probably don't know you very well and you're contacting mm-hmm. me out of the blue. Frankly, you never yeah. contacted me before the divorce, right? Yeah. And we didn't hang out. Uh, now if you, if you do have a, a closer friend, then it should be a little easier, but if it's a relative stranger that you kind of know, then yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to take time for him to to uh, lower some of the walls that he may have built up and accept that you legitimately just want to just want to spend some time with him. And, and frankly, it's not something a lot of guys do in church. I mean, you know, when's the last (laughs) time you contacted somebody out of the blue and said, Hey, let's get together. You know uh, we just don't do that. Okay. So when you get him to meet with you, uh, you need to resist the urge to be a problem solver. And a lot, a lot of us guys are problem solvers. We want mm-hmm. to find an opportunity to say, Hey, well, have you tried this or what about this? And especially on the first meeting, but even a couple of meetings with him, don't solve his problems. Don't, don't mm-hmm. interject a lot. Be a, be a good active listener. If you've been to counseling, you probably have learned the active listening techniques. Um, just, you know, be there for him as somebody who cares about him mm-hmm. and, and wants him to feel comfortable telling you anything. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, and so that was, sorry, that was number three, right? right so right, number resist three. the urge to be a problem solver, right? Yeah, let him take the wheel is what I think I put in the article. So you reach out, you make yourself available, you, you, you encourage him to meet with you. And then when you do have that first meeting, you let him take the wheel. This is great. This is his meeting. So if he wants, if he wants to vent, let him vent. Mm -hmm. If he wants to Mm. sit there in silence for a while, then sip your coffee. You know, don't push him. Don't, don't, don't. And by all means, don't make yourself the center of the conversation. This is his time. Don't, don't start waxing eloquent on how you golfed the other day. You know, don't, don't fill the dead time with stuff about you. Just, just give him opportunities to, to Mm. say whatever he wants to say. And, you know, if he doesn't know you that well, he will appreciate your letting him talk. Mm. Uh, He may want to get to know you a little bit better, but let him steer, let him steer that too. You know, if he asks you questions then by all means answer his questions and his first question may be, why are you here? You know? So just, I've I've heard it said before that listening is one of the best ways to love someone else. Yep. Just listening. And, and maybe it's a matter of listening and then just kind of repeating back. So what you're saying is this, right. right. I'm sorry. I, I, you, that must feel terrible uh, or that must feel like whatever, but like, but it's a active listening, responding, maybe mirroring a little bit of what he's saying. Um, that could, just the opportunity and the freedom. And, and when you're in the, when you're in his shoes and tell me if I'm wrong about this, Chris, you spend a lot of time alone. Yes, and so yes. you're in your head a lot and you don't necessarily get to get these thoughts out. And so just having someone to, as a sounding board to get your thoughts out and hear yourself say these things can actually clarify some things for yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very beneficial. You're right. You're, I mean, you, you are with other people because you're working and you're, and you're, you're going through your life, but you feel alone even when you're with other people. Definitely. And the other thing you mentioned that um, not to be, you know, the problem solver, but not, not to correct him. Um, again, I'm going with the image of someone who's been traumatized. You know, I think mm-hmm. of, a, of a war or a battle scene in a movie where you've got someone whose leg is blown off or something and um, they are not the calmest, most considerate people in those moments. (laughs) Like I, I was thinking to myself, I had a, um, I played high school football and I, at one point hyperextended my knee and injured it. And, uh, man, it was so painful. And I remember (laughs) cussing, like I have never cussed before (laughs) as a result of that. But guess what? Nobody on the team came up to me and were like, Hey Mike, you really should watch your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. Um, that's so when you talk about not correcting or just, again, like you said, let him vent if there's language involved, or if it doesn't seem like he's acting correctly, reserve that, (laughs) that, uh, temptation to, to correct him basically. Yeah. Don't right. Right. Yeah. If if I had witnessed you hyperextending your leg, I probably would not (laughs) (laughs) not have anything to say to you except, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, That's not fun. That's a painful one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So number three was let him take the wheel. Number four, um, is something that I would probably not have thought of myself, but the, the counselor that I consulted with gave me this one. It it is grieve with him. Like you said, I mean, this is somebody who's been through a traumatic experience. I can't think of a great analogy, but you know, 
if someone close to you died and you felt like you could have done something to prevent it, that's probably a pretty close analogy to what a typical divorce guy is going through because his marriage has died and he certainly could have done, he feels like he could have done something or could have done more to prevent that death. Yeah. And so he's kicking himself and he is mm. grieving. He's grieving the death of his marriage. He's, he's grieving all the, all, all the deaths, kind of the mm. cascade of deaths um, that have precipitated from that. Yeah. And you mm. are there to, and, and like you said, I mean, he's been alone he may not have really grieved this. And there's the stages of grief, which, you know, we hear a lot about, you don't always go through them in a particular order. And, um, you know, you can spend a long time in one of the stages. Mm -hmm. So he may still be angry. He still, you know, he may be in denial about Mm -hmm. some things, right? Help him grieve Mm -hmm. this death that he may not have been able to, to fully process and work through at this Mm. point. It depends on how long it's been, but you know, the, the grief can go on for years with a typical divorce. So um, he's probably still going through part of that and you can help him with that. Hey guys, this is Mike Hatch. Thank you so much for listening to the empowered manhood podcast. I wanted to encourage you to check out the amazing men's devotional, Daily Strength for Men. It's actually one of the best-selling men's devotionals on Amazon right now, and it's written by our very own co-host, Chris Bollinger. Make sure you check that out. You can get it on Amazon, um, or you can get it if you decide to join a CLC Getting Real group somewhere near you. And if you're interested in learning more about CLC, make sure you jump on our website at clchq.org. That's clchq.org. Or if you're a pastor and want to learn more about CLC, you can email me at mhatch at clchq.org. Again, that's mhatch at clchq.org. That's a great point, Chris. And there's um, there's a passage in Romans chapter 12 that comes to my mind as Paul is talking about living together in community that I think applies to this specific point too. He says, to rejoice in hope. This is Romans 12, 12 starting in 12, 12. Okay. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction. I think I think you could actually define this as as affliction in some sure. some ways too. So we're being patient in the affliction of of our friend that they're they're facing. Be persistent in prayer. <clears throat> Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. It's funny because we're, we're you're talking about all these things already, right? Um, and uh, bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Mm. So to me, like, as you're talking about grieving with him, what it means is you're empathetically kind of entering into that experience with him. So he's not alone in it and helping him to grieve and, uh, and maybe even weeping with him. Um, So just something to to think about that's, then that was Romans chapter 12, uh, 12 through 15. You know, he may not, feel comfortable grieving or sharing some things in certain settings. So, I mean, Mm. you may have, you may be in a Starbucks, for example, and, you know, nobody's going to overhear, but he just doesn't, you know, he sees people around and he may not be really willing to open up there. But if you went on a hike, 
Mm, uh, yeah. you know, went for a walk somewhere, went <laughs> on a hike where you're, you're out in the woods. Um, you know, and he's moving around. He, he may, some, some people just process better and communicate better when they're, when they're on the move. Mm-hmm. I know I'm that way. I'd rather be, I'd rather be on a walk, um, than sitting in a booth mm-hmm. if I'm going to share. So just be aware of that. Um, it may be your second meeting, you know, maybe you meet in a coffee shop initially, and then you have a second meeting and maybe you can say, Hey, you could suggest, Hey, do you want, do you want to go somewhere else? You want to get outside, go do something, play That's disc right. golf, you know, do, do something more active yeah. and, and maybe, and just having, having some dead air time. Like if you were playing mm. disc golf, you know, maybe he, he opens up on the sixth hole, you know, yeah. and you just, you're That's relatively right. quiet for the first five. You're setting the table or you are um, creating space for that to happen. And guys need that. We need that anyway, yep. even when yep. we're not, <laughs> we're not grieving. We need that space and that common goal that we're both, you know, facing, whether it be fishing or, or disc golfing, like you said, that, uh, that opens up that line of communication. Next one I have on the list is to be trustworthy and steady. We touched on this a little earlier uh, in terms of having a setting that's that's uh, quiet and confidential enough that he doesn't feel like somebody's going to overhear. But the risk here in in be trustworthy and steady is you. So nobody's going to overhear this, but you got to keep your mouth shut. He's going to share things with you that he does not want repeated. That's right. Um, Personal stuff, things he did wrong, um, Mm. things he has, you know. And if if you share this with anybody, your wife, Mm-hmm. So, somebody else at church, then it's game over. You, you've, you've violated his trust and he's mm-hmm. not coming back to you. Plus you've heard, you've heard him in a way because, you know, he, he opened up to you and, and uh, you made him pay for it. And so, that, and, and may end up impacting who he trusts in the future too, exactly, because then yeah. now he's going to be more uh, hesitant. Shy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, be steady with him, be encouraging, but make it clear that you are not going to repeat these things. Now, obviously, if he if he says that he's been thinking about killing himself or, you know, there are some things you, you have to share for his own good. But right. with those few exceptions, you need to keep this stuff to yourself. Hmm. And um, that's great. And that will that will build trust that uh, that will be sustainable over time with him. Yeah. So. Real quick, before we move on, just to recap again. So number one, you said reach out. Right. Number two, we're making ourselves available. Number three, uh, let him take the wheel in the discussion and the time together. Number four, grieve with him. Yep. And number five, be trustworthy and steady. Yep. Okay. Number six is to be encouraging. And that's an interesting word to me, encouraging, because Mm -hmm. it has courage in the middle of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So this is not filling him with a bunch of patronizing platitudes, you know, telling him the time heals all wounds. All you need is Jesus, you know, our favorite Christian expressions. That's not encouraging. That's just kind of annoying. Um, It's not telling him that his divorce is a good thing or minimizing the divorce, um, telling him that he'll find somebody else. And, you know, it's none of those things. Encouraging is speaking courage into him. Mm. Um, it's reminding him that even if God seems distant 
or absent. Mm. God is is not. He is right there. Mm. God yeah. is is supporting him and loving him, and God will get him through this difficult time. It's not minimizing the difficulty. It's encouraging him that mm. you know we serve a, a faithful God, and God will. Yeah. get him through this this challenging time because he's yeah. suffering and, and nobody likes to suffer we all want the suffering to end god will god will be with him every step of the way yeah and by the yeah. way just i think something we talked about before uh on this off the side too is as you're encouraging him i think again remember that he we talked about the fact that he's dealing with trauma he's probably not acting like himself he's not at full capacity right um it, maybe it, it's the encouragement is reminding him of who you know him to be. Right. The truth of who he is, the truth that he is a good man, you know, that he is um, a beloved child of God or, you know, but, but the things that you've known or seen in him potentially before, I think it, it could be good to remind him of, of who he is. Right. And I, I think that's a great, that's a great point. And, and the best source for this obviously is the Bible. So, uh, find some passages again, not, not the patronizing, you know, mm -hmm. bumper sticker type things, but, but get in, get into the Psalms. Um, I, I have as an example, Psalm 37, um, David in Psalm 37 states from experience that God's followers, even his closest followers sometimes fall. The mm. steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way, though he fall. He shall not be cast headlong for the Lord mm. upholds his hand. Mm. And so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of passages you can find that, that talk about um, the strength that God provides reconciliation, forgiveness, mm. um, restoration, healing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, these are all things that, that should speak to his heart. You know, don't, don't inundate him with, you know, Hey, here's 50 passages you might like just, right. you know, you've had a conversation with him. You're kind of getting a feel for where he is. Do some homework, do some, do some digging into your Bible and then offer him some encouragement through scripture. That's great. The other way you can encourage him. And again, this requires your faithfulness is, is praying for him, offering specific prayers, you know, praying for him right then, you know, a lot of times we say, Oh, Hey, I'll pray. I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm guilty of, Oh, what was I supposed to pray for? You know, if I don't do it right then, um, I may forget. So pray, pray for him right then put the requests on your phone and mm -hmm. vow to pray for him regularly mm -hmm. and then follow up. You know, yeah. I think, and again, I, I'm guilty of a lot of things, you know, we pray for stuff and then, you know, sometimes, you know, often God steps in and answers our prayers and I don't, I don't even follow up on, you know, right. Hey, hey, we prayed yeah. about this. How's it going? And, you know, <laughs> oh gosh, God solved that for you. You know, <laughs> why am I surprised? But I, I, but I always am. So, so pray and follow up. He, he needs your prayers. He needs your yeah. support. And that's an active way that you can demonstrate that you, you, you care for him and it's a way of, of turning things over to God with the assurance that God will respond. Yep. So forgive me, but was pray for him. Number seven, seven. Yeah. Pray okay. for him and follow up. Right. And follow up. Okay, great. And I was going to just add to that real quick, just in case, because sometimes I know some people 
have trouble knowing what to pray or with your, when you're with that person, it can be intimidating actually feeling like I'm going to pray for you now. What am I going to say? Right. Here's just from a pastor's perspective. Let me just give you this, this hopefully will something to hang your hat on. Um, Typically in those situations, I really focus on God and his character. Mm. not even necessarily the person I'm praying for. Not that it, I, I still say things about that person and I bring that person before God, but what I find uh, most edifying in those situations is, is, uh, is praying to God and, and, um, and, and almost rehearsing or, or reciting God's faithfulness, his mm. goodness, you know? So God, thank you so much that we can trust you. Thank you, father, that you are the safe place. God, be that safe place for Jimmy. Um, God, I pray that, that, uh, that he would find comfort in you. We know that you comfort us in all ways, Lord. And we see what I'm saying. Like, right. Focus on God's character, who yep. he is, because ultimately that is where your friend is going to find yep. their provision is in yep. God, not in you and right. not in necessarily what you say, God, it, it's, it can be through you, but it's ultimately God. Right. And that's why we don't have to be experts on mm. someone's situation, right? We're we're just we're a Christian brother. Yep. And like you said, we're we're pointing him to the source of all life. Amen. The source of all health. Yep. Um, so mm. we and you know, and that maybe that encouragement that you provided will help a lot of guys listening because you know. It, it can be awkward and you're afraid of doing the wrong thing or, or not, mm. not really helping your friend. You're helping your friend by being there and by yeah. pointing him to God. If that's all you do, that's mm. much better. Now, you know, your friend probably needs counseling. Mm-hmm. Your friend's going to need a lot of other help. I mean, I don't want to diminish right. or minimize the other things that will help him out, but you are, you are playing a key role just by being there and by pointing him to God. That's right. So great insight, Mike. Okay. So um, let's, let's go through one more time. We have two to go. So reach out, be available, be flexible. Let him take the wheel, especially early on grieve with him, be trustworthy and steady, be encouraging, pray and follow up on your prayers. Last two be alert uh, and here's where we get into, okay, so now, now let's assume you've met with him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You may not have known him that well at the outset, but you've had some interactions with him, some, some close interactions, um, mm-hmm. be on the lookout for <clears throat> him not making progress and, um, for any warning signs that he is really spiral spiraling down. Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh, suicidal language earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't always manifest itself as, you know, that kind of language, but your friend is likely to be going through depression. Mm. Um, maybe it's not clinical depression, but he's, he, he's, he's dealing with, as you said, you know, a lot of really heavy things. He's not himself. He should be making some positive progress if you've met with him over the course of, of a couple of months. If he's, if he's not, if he seems to be going in the opposite direction, then this is the time where you do try to bring some other people into the picture. Um, 
you know, yeah. point him, point him to a Christian counselor, encourage him to talk to the pastor or a pastor at the church. Even if he's left the church, you know, the yeah. pastor would love to talk to him. Pastor's not going to be condemning or fault finding. The pastor cares mm. about him and, and mm. wants him to get on better footing than he yeah. seems to be on right now. And that, that leads into the, uh, the last one, which is to, to lead others to support him. Mm-hmm. So, um, whether or not he's, he's moving toward more isolation, um, you don't want to be the only one who is supporting your friend. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, um, you can be a leader here. You, mm-hmm. you can, um, go to others, maybe at your church, um, other Christian men, you know, and without revealing any of the details that you kept confidential, you can say, Hey, Jimmy, Jimmy needs some, some support. And, you know, if you have a, if you have a CLC group, uh, or another men's ministry group at your church, um, you know, maybe you can rally some of those guys to, mm-hmm. to support Jimmy. Yep. Um, you certainly can have others pray for him. But uh, you, you can uh, maybe have a foursome, you know, if you're, you know, we use disc golf as an example, maybe you can mm-hmm. have, you know, not just you two, but, you know, a couple other guys come along yeah. and introduce Jimmy to a couple of other guys who, who care mm-hmm. about him. Um, he's, he's probably going to be a little reluctant to come to an event at, at church or elsewhere just because, yeah. you know, he's interacted with you, but doesn't want to expose himself to. 10, 20, 30 guys. Right. But you, but you can begin to rally other guys in support of, uh, this Christian brother who you've been working with for a couple of months now. That's right. Yeah. That's great. Because you, you have to remember, you're not going to be everything to him. You can't, right. God is like we said, God is going to be the one who is his ultimate provision. Um, but, uh, but he definitely has to have other men around him besides just you and that, cause that can be a heavy weight too. When you're just yeah. the, the primary person who's supporting and holding up, um, you can't do that alone. You know, you got to have other people in it with you praying for him, right. uh, thinking about him, reaching out to him. But, you know, going through the other steps first, I think is important because, you know, mm. you need to develop some bonds with Jimmy mm. before you then, go out to other men, you know, you can always encourage men, you know, to pray for him. Right. Um, but in terms of expanding your circle of support, maybe wait until you've developed more of a relationship with Jimmy before you do that. That's a good point. Um, thinking about Jimmy, our fictitious or, you know, our, yeah, our every man in terms of the divorce <laughs> guy, um, you know, maybe you knew Jimmy at your church. It's been six months. It's been nine months. It's been a year. Jimmy does not feel comfortable coming to Sunday worship at that mm-hmm. church. You know, his ex-wife is still there. Um, that doesn't mean that Jimmy can't does ha- has to be completely distanced from your church. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, a, a, a men's group, um, some other gathering of men, maybe it's not at that church building, maybe it's somewhere else, but you want to connect Jimmy with God. And you also want him to get into a church, into a church home. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he it, it'll help him stop isolating. Um, maybe it's 
ultimately not your church for his church home, but um, men are open to ministering to other men who may not feel comfortable coming to a Sunday worship service. So look for opportunities to connect him to men in the church and men's activities associated with the church at some point, maybe not initially, but I think you can see this as kind of expanding circles where first it's you, then it's a couple of, of men in your circle. Mm -hmm. And then it's a broader group of men um, because he needs to get connected to Christian men. He needs encouragement and reinforcement from, from other men. Which is a great place to plug CLC (laughs) because I was, I have seen over and over again, how a guy who's been through a traumatic experience like that relationally or in their marriage um, <clears throat> get plugged into a CLC group and suddenly they've got, they've got a team, you know what I mean? They've got men who are on their side or for them. Um, and man, is that life giving? I've watched it. Absolutely. Cause the men that I've known most, the vast majority of them who've been through divorce, they are desperate for that. They mm-hmm. really want it. They're thirsty for it. Um, not everybody you have to, like you said, you have to um, be discerning in that, but the men I know, and, and there's just one recently I'm thinking of actually, who was just plugged into a group uh, after a really terrible breakup. And uh, man, it has been so life-giving to him to be yeah. part of that community again. You've got a community of brothers, you've got full confidentiality. And what you'll find is that, you know, other men have been through, maybe not a divorce, but they've been through experiences that were traumatizing like yours has been and you know they feel like they've fallen short and they found forgiveness and restoration with jesus yep so this is great chris i love these these nine ways to help men who are going through divorce and hopefully if if you're listening man i hope you've you've gotten value out of this and maybe feel a little bit more direction a little bit more equipped but, uh, but for a guy who maybe wants to check out that article that you wrote, for example, where would they find that article? Uh, we'll post the link on the podcast site. It's a, it's a crosswalk.com article, and I don't have the title in front of me. There, there are three or four out there that I wrote, and I think they're all beneficial. Okay. So we'll try to provide the links to all of them. Yep. Um, and people can feel free to contact me as well if they want to get uh, more information from the research that I've done. 